This is Beat the Closing Line. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich. As you know, every Thursday on this show, we bring in a special guest to give us a fresh perspective on sports betting and talk about how the NFL season is going so far. Today, we are going to be talking to Mitch Moss, who is the host of Follow the Money, which airs weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern time on VEASAN. Mitch, thanks so much for joining joining us today. How's it going? Nicole, Eli, uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Before we get started on today's interview, as always, make sure you give this video a thumbs up, ring the bell and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to this where you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line pod and give us a five star review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, because we are going to be giving away a $25 Amazon gift card. The first one is being given away on Tuesday's show. Without further ado, you, Eli, I am going to let you take it from here. Let's kick it off with Thursday Night Football. The Cardinals and Saints are banged up on both sides of the ball, and maybe New Orleans a little bit more on the secondary. Spread has jumped up a bit from earlier in the week. It was sitting as low as Cardinals minus one, I believe, on DraftKings. Now it's up to Cardinals minus three, a juice three, that is. So Cardinals, a, a field goal favorite at home. The total has dipped from 46 to 43 and a half. Anything you're betting out Thursday night football? So to make uh, a bet on the side of this game, to me, I would be completely forcing it just because there are so many different question marks, uh, too many things that are up in the air. I mean, when you look at the overall injury report for the Saints, I mean, we're talking Michael Thomas, Landry, Pete, Troutman, Lattimore, uh, not going to be playing in this game. So I'd like to make the case for the Cardinals, but also I don't like the head coach. I don't think the quarterback is good at all. And I've thought that for a while. Um, I think that's going to be a contract that uh, if they're not already regretting, they're going to uh, down the road. Um, So I just don't know if I can trust Cliff Kingsbury on a short week to put together, you know, an offensive game plan where, you know, they've only scored three points in the first quarter combined the entire year. That's absolutely embarrassing. And when you saw what (laughs) they did or didn't do against the Seahawks, I mean, Let's not forget that the Seahawks were on pace to be, along with the Lions, two of the worst defenses we've had in in football in a long time. And the Cardinals went there as a good road team, mind you, and they could not score a single touchdown offensively. I mean, it was just, that's as bad as it gets, in my opinion. So uh, I'd like to sit here and say that, you know, when you look at the overall first quarter stats, Arizona is dead last defensively in total EPA per play, passing EPA per play explosive pass percentage. They are 31st in points per game allowed in the first quarter, 32nd in play success. That's only on defense. When you look at offense, they're also at the very bottom or in the bottom three or four in many of those same offensive categories. Um, I'd like to say that they're going to come out and correct that tonight. Uh, I can't do it, but I also can't trust the Saints. So here's what I'm going to do. This is, uh, You know, I think attacking some of these prime time games with player props is what I like to do, um, sometimes more than actually look at the side or the total. And you consider the Hollywood Brown injury last week to the Cardinals and that uh, Rondell Moore stepped up and he was going to be the guy targeted the most at wide receiver. Well, he's going to take, you know, those those snaps from the slot tonight as DeAndre Hopkins comes back from a six game suspension and also consider that on the season, the 
Uh, Saints have been awesome at slowing down tight ends uh, over the uh, entire course of the six-game season so far. So maybe they neutralize Ertz. And I think this is going to be a welcome back party. And I expect Murray to probably force-feed the ball to Hopkins tonight. Um, His prop is five and a half receptions. The yards, 60 and a half. So I bet the over on the 60 and a half yards. When you factor in the injury to Lattimore, Paulson Adebo is going to be covering him. He has a lot. Think about this. He's allowed the most touchdowns per game of any corner and has allowed the eighth most yards. And he's only played in basically three and a half games. And on top of that, um, New Orleans is allowing the seventh most receptions and fourth most yards per game to opposing receivers. Go back over the last three weeks. We're talking about Jefferson, Lockett, Metcalf, Chase. They've averaged nearly seven catches on nine targets for a buck 18 and one, uh, basically 1.25 scores per game. So I like the player props tonight, the, the yards prop over for Hopkins in this game. We're going to move on to Sunday's games and the Giants are continuing to not get respect from the betting market. They are three point road dogs against the two and four Jags. The total in that game is anywhere from 41 and a half to 42 and a half, depending on which sports book you are looking at. What's your perspective on Dable's team? This is a six. Well, I mean, the guy, I mean, somehow, some way they're winning these games, right? I mean, go back to the London game. They were dead and buried basically against Green Bay and that completely flipped in the second half. Great job by him, completely out-coaching Matt LaFleur in the final 30 minutes of that game to come away with the victory. Last week, same thing at home, dead and buried against the Ravens. I mean, they got the break with the fumbled snap. Lamar throws the INT, and they're in some business. So they are just somehow, some way finding a way to win these games. And when you look at the overall numbers on defense with the uh, expected points added defensively, um, points per game allowed, they're actually pretty decent uh, to way above average in some of these key categories. And it's just a situation where I like Jacksonville as an underdog. There was a spot a couple of weeks ago, as you guys will remember, where they, because of the fast start, they were lane seven to the Texans. And I know the Texans aren't very good, but that's a divisional spot where these teams know each other quite well. The Texans have a great history in recent years against the uh, Jags. And I warned people then, like, look, not only would I not lay the seven, I'd be careful using this team on teasers and certainly survivor pools. What happened? They laid a complete dud. They went out there and they lost the game. They only scored six points. And I thought we were seeing a jump this year early on from Trevor Lawrence. Doesn't appear to be the case over the past couple of weeks. So um, this is a spot where the Giants keep figuring it out, somehow uh, winning these games. And I don't, you know, what's home field really worth to Jacksonville? Certainly not a full three points. So you're telling me that Jacksonville is better um, on a neutral against the Giants. I just I can't buy into that. And again, I don't I don't want Jacksonville when they're a favorite. I want to bet against them when they're a favorite. And the only (laughs) consideration for that team would be when they're dogs. So give me the Giants. I'm with you, Mitch. It's a spot that I was maybe looking at on Sunday after the results initially happened, where you think it's maybe a letdown spot for the Giants, but then you look at the full body of work for Lawrence this season, and it's hard to back Jacksonville, a game I'm I'm staying away from. But a game I'm betting, and I think you're going to be on the same side with me on this one, is the Packers and the Commanders. You mentioned Green Bay within the, the spiel about the Giants. 
And Green Bay's on a two-game losing streak, their last loss at home mm-hmm. against the Jets. Aaron Rodgers still dealing with that thumb issue. He said he's going to play this week, but against a commander's team that could pressure the quarterback, the thumb could get even more banged up potentially. Uh, Taylor Heineke on the other side of the ball is in for Carson Wentz, who's dealing with his own finger issue. So are you fading the Packers? Are you going to continue to fade Green Bay? Or do you think this is a bounce-back spot against a Washington team that while they, they beat the Bears last week, they didn't do it convincingly? Well, before I get into whole, what I'm going to say, are we on the same page? What are you betting in this game? I'm betting the Commanders <laughs> against the spread. I took the plus five last night. I bet them five straight games. I was going to gonna say shocker. <laughs> you go back to the well with them. Well, paid off last week. I'm with you. I'm on Washington in this game. I also, I mean, here we are. Coming up on week seven, and when you look at all these totals, the unders have been cashing at a 60% rate throughout the entire year. I can't believe I'm going to make the case for a game, what, 41 and a half, I think, is still out there. I don't think we get very many points in this game, so I think it's going to be low scoring where the dog is going to be live. Look, I mean, when you look at the overall numbers again by these two teams, Green Bay's offense, we all know this. It's broken at this point. They're 24th fourth overall in points per game. Even like the advanced metrics with the EPA, 23rd. Pass, uh, you know, total EPA, 21st in passing. The rushing has been inconsistent for this team. Um, And on the flip side, like both of the defenses can really get a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback. And I don't, this might be an actual upgrade for the commanders going to Heineke with the Wentz injury, but sacks allowed on offense. Packers have given up 15 already. The commanders, 23. That's tied for the most. They have the second worst adjusted sack rate and sacks on defense. The Packers have 14 so far, led by Rashawn Gary. Uh, that's tied. They're tied for the sixth highest sack rate, and the Commanders have 19 sacks, fourth best adjusted sack rate. So, the the Commanders are also good against the run and slowing down the run. Um, the Packers desperately need help at wide receiver. They're not going to get it uh, this week, as far as I'm concerned. I can't see it happening. The Cobb injury, Lazard is not a true number one. So I think they're going to have their issues uh, running the football. I think both teams can get pressure on the quarterback. So I think it's going to be a low scoring game where the dog is absolutely going to be live. And I think this this has 20 to 17 or, you know, 1913 to me written, uh, 1914 to me written all over it. Disgusting. Yep. <laughs> Another very exciting game on the horizon for the Commanders. All right, we're going to take it over to the AFC, and it'll be our last NFL game that we're going to be talking about for the day. The Colts and the Titans face off in Tennessee after Vrabel's team got the best of Indy in week four. The Titans are coming off of a bye and are sitting at about two to two and a half point home favorites right now. The total is 42 and a half. Mitch, any bets for you in this one? I actually think we're going to get some points in this game. Now, this is, again, it's in the low 40s here. Uh, If you look at how these teams operate defensively, they're both very good against the run. The Colts have the sixth best rush DVOA in the entire league per football outsiders. The Titans are actually the third best. And Jonathan Taylor, of course, um, still questionable, banged up. He's missed the last couple of weeks. But we saw what happened. Frank Reich knew that was going to be a problem last week. So what they do, they came out and Matt Ryan threw the ball 37 times. (laughs) I think they're going to be doing the same exact thing. Uh, Don't look now. They are number one in explosive pass percentage overall on offense. The Colts are, uh, and they are throwing the ball the fourth most times in the entire league. What can you do against the Titans uh, effectively on offense? You can throw the football. 
on this team defensively. Total EPA per uh, play, they're 29th. Against the pass, they're 29th. An explosive pass percentage, they are 31st. So I think this is going to be something where the Colts come out with a similar game plan. Even if Taylor plays in this game, he's not going to be 100%. So they're going to pass the ball more. We'll see some explosive plays on that side of the ball. And the Titans, I think, can keep up with them um, offensively. I don't love Ryan Tannehill, but it's a divisional game where both these teams know each other quite well. And I think we're going to see enough points to get over that uh, low total where it's at right now. Yeah, Mitch. I mean, you go back to the first time these two teams played, like Nicole mentioned, Titans won that game, but Colts had three turnovers, I believe, two in the first half that set the Titans up with pretty good field position. So if Indy can sustain drives, which they've shown the ability to, I know everyone points to the Broncos game, which maybe they shouldn't have won outright. They did cover and went outright, obviously, but I'm with you. I think I'm higher on the Colts than the rest of the market, and and you seem to be that way in terms of their offense and scoring points in this game at Tennessee, but you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts. You can trust check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the coast to coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for major league baseball, the NBA and the NFL and tune in to beat the closing line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lions Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Let's shift over to the NBA, which started up this week, and looking at the futures market, specifically the MVP award, Luka Doncic, uh, the favorite to win MVP at plus 380. Giannis is right behind him at plus 600, and B there too, plus 650. Then Kevin Durant, at plus 800, Jokic, the two-time back-to-back MVP at plus 900. And then John Morant, Zion Williamson, also near the top of the odds board, plus 1,500 and plus 2,200, respectively. Zion had the big opening night in the Pelicans' blowout win at the Nets last night. Uh, who do you like in this market? Okay, so I made two bets so far. To me, this is kind of like the MVP in the NFL because before I'm talking about before that season started. You could have made a case for, to me, like legitimately nine or 10 quarterbacks to win the MVP. It's not playing out that way, but that's the way it you know, appeared to me back in August. Um, the MVP is kind of the same thing in the NBA. You could, I mean, we could talk to 10 different people and every single person can make a case for somebody different. I'd be like, oh, that sounds good. I can buy into that. Oh, not another <laughs> person. So, and I did not want to, I did not want to hop on the Zion Williamson train because I thought it was going to be too popular, but then a coworker of mine convinced me, he, he's like, you know, there's still a 50 to one out there on Williamson. This is a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I know, but too many people are on. And he said, Mitch, it's down to like 20 to one in other spots. If he stays healthy, the team's going to be really good. There's going to score a ton of points. I'm like, fine, I'll bet Zion. That's because it was 50. And I'd rather do that than take like Embiid around six in that range or Luca where he's at right now. Um but this, there are so many candidates right now, and uh, I think a lot of guys are going to be live to it. Like, if I had to predict, and my life was on the line, like who is going to win the award, I would probably say Embiid. Um, but man, there are so many good candidates, and the reason why I say Embiid is because I just I I, I know Game One wasn't great, and I don't like Doc Rivers that much as a coach, but. 
Their team to me is absolutely loaded. They had a huge offseason. I think they can be the number one seed overall in the East. And I think that award means a lot to Embiid. Um, when it slipped away from him last year, I think he was a little bitter about that. So if he just goes out there and is on a mission this season, uh, I can see him winning. But I want to take a couple of flyers there. And I also took a lot. This has no chance. But because he was 1,000 to 1, I took Bam out of bio at that number when I, when I saw him at Circa at 1,001. And uh, he was, I think, in the 250 or 301 range with Miami. But after game, I don't want to panic after game one. I'm a little bit concerned about the heat for sure this year. Yeah, yeah. We're going to finish with defensive player of the year. We have Rudy Gobert, who was dealt to Minnesota in the offseason. He's the favorite at plus 375. Aforementioned Bam Adebayo, the rim prote- another rim protector behind him at plus 700. Giannis shows up here, too, at plus 900. Which guys have you bet so far, and do you see any value left in this market? I did bet. Uh, so the like within a couple of minutes of the Cavaliers acquiring Donovan Mitchell, the way I tapped the Cavs market is betting uh, Evan Mobley at the time at 40 to one to win defensive player of the year. Um, I just, he was so good last year as a rookie before he got hurt. He was the odds on favorite to win rookie of the year. And then he was tracked down after the injury. And I thought the reason in my head was because defensively the guards out front for the Cavaliers are not good. So that means that they're going to have to rely on guys at the rim like a Mobley and also Jared Allen, which who I've not bet yet, by the way, I think there are, you can still find a good number on Jared, Jared Allen today, which might be the angle uh, you might want to take today. So I think both those guys can have really good defensive years. And also uh, another Pelicans guy, maybe I'm a Pelicans homer this year, but I took Herb Jones at 35 to one. Uh, I'm sorry, at about 60 to one. He's on a 35 to one right now. But if you look around, maybe you can find a good number on him. Very good wing defender. He'll he'll take on the best guy defensively every single night. That's pretty much what he has to do because they have so much fire. We saw last night, right? Williamson, Ingram, McCollum combined for 74 points. Not that they're going to do that every single game, but he doesn't have to score at all. So he can just be the defensive stopper. And uh, a key part to this too, to me, is betting on guys who you think will have a media narrative. And last year, the media, a lot of them with a vote, with influence, they loved Herb Jones for the Pelicans and they gave him like some second place votes um, on the second team last year. So that's always big. It's something that you definitely want to track. It's like uh, when Thibodeau won coach of the year a couple years ago, you knew that there was going to be some New York bias potentially pumped into that award when it came down to Thibodeau and uh, Monty Williams. And Thibodeau was available all year long between like 16 and 25 to one. And the Knicks made the playoffs and he eventually won the award. So this is something where you need to follow the people who vote on this stuff and definitely will never bet with your heart, but specifically with something with this too. You mentioned Jones, Mitch, that gave me PTSD to my Alabama future from a couple of years ago when Alabama missed 16 free throws, 16 free throws (laughs) at the sweet 16 overtime loss. But Nicole, who's counting, right? Eli never forgets. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> really t- I don't forget the losses I blink on the wins but I, I don't forget the losses <laughs> of course like everybody right yeah Mitch yeah. thank you so much for chatting with us today again you can catch follow the money weekday mornings from 7 to 10 a.m eastern time on VEASAN and as always for betting analysis and Eli's NFL articles, college basketball articles, and some NBA articles f- go over to thelines.com. If you are betting this week, good luck with your bets, and we will see you next time.